that's right. That's right. Um, yes, it is strange. Strange days. Every Zoom meeting, a kid walks in the room. I think at some point. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, tell us uh, as we start. Just tell us um, what what's what's encouraged you. How's the Lord um, engaged from the Word, or what's encouraged you during this time of of pandemic as life has been uh, altered and changed in so many ways. Um, what have you found uh, helpful for you? Yeah, you know, if, uh, I mean, there's, there's a number of things. I mean, on the one hand, at a general level, just the uh, constancy of spring. Uh, I don't know whether you noticed, but as much as we're all sheltering in place and as much as stock markets have crashed and so much has changed, uh, flowers are still beautiful. Seasons still progress. Uh, God is still good looking after uh, the created order. So for me, the simple fact of spring has been a great encouragement, but uh, perhaps more in terms of scripture, um, you know, I draw a lot of comfort from the minor prophets. I find them helpful guides in thinking about large events. And in particular, Nahum, uh, Nahum chapter one, verse seven. Some of you will know that, that, that verse. Uh, Nahum says, the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who are his and who take refuge in him. Um, I have found that very encouraging. I've gone back to Nahum uh, a good deal over the last couple of months. So if you'll permit me a few moments, uh, some of you will know uh, just by way of background that Nahum and Jonah have something in common. Uh, both of those prophets were sent to Nineveh. Uh, in Jonah's case, he went with a message of repentance uh, that was wonderfully received. 150 years later, uh, Nahum goes to the same people and they have now repented of their repentance. And so Nahum brings a message of judgment. Um, and in, in the context of Nahum, verse 7 is a very pivotal verse. Uh, I'll spare you all the details of, uh, of exegesis, but basically verse seven's a hinge, uh, a pivot. Uh, early on in the opening verses, we learn about the awesome terror of God. Um, and then uh, going on the book, we learn about the specific target of God's judgment. And verse seven is that pivot point. So why is verse seven encouraging? Why is this message of judgment uh, this call to repentance so nourishing for me, so comforting for me during this time. Um, well, in, in, good, uh, in a good preaching tradition, three things. Um, first, uh, Nahum's name. I don't know if you know, but Nahum means comforter. Despite the message he's given, despite the announcement of judgment and terror, Nahum goes as one who will comfort even although he's announcing destruction uh, as to Israel's enemy, he is a, brings a word of comfort as well. So for me, for my family, in the midst of this very strange season, uh, night after night, looking at death tolls and how many people need defibrillators and ventilators and treatment, uh, I'm just reminded that we have a comforter, one greater than Nahum one who will not simply uh, destroy our particular enemies or who will intervene uh, in moments of history, but one who will destroy disease, one who will destroy 
death. So I've been able to draw some comfort uh, from that. Verse 7, as I've mentioned, is a note of contrast uh, against the background of judgment. We're reminded actually of the tenderness of God with regard to his own people. Uh, as much as God is working out great and grand things, God does not forget about you and me. We are not lost sight of. God has purposes, but he doesn't lose sight of us, his people. The Lord is good, says Nahum. And those who turn to the Lord have nothing to fear, says Nahum. The Lord has regard for his people. He offers us shelter in himself. Can you just imagine for, for Israel, this tiny little people group who are being attacked and provoked and harassed by Assyria and by the Ninevites, God is saying, I'm going to deal with them. You know, I've got this cosmic plan I'm working out, but I've certainly not lost sight of you. And that's what he says to us in this strange moment we're in. And that gets me to a third point. There's actually no random events. As much as 2020 has thrown up all kinds of things, crazy fires in Australia, where I came from, uh, plagues of locusts uh, in Africa, and now, of course, a, a global pandemic, no earthly event falls outside of God's control. For Israel, God's action to judge their enemies, Nineveh, actually came in response to Israel's cry. God is a covenantally responsive God. I don't know about you, um, but probably you're like me. Probably at some point in these last months or years, you've prayed for God to intervene. You've asked the Lord to show up. Uh, I've prayed for somehow that the Lord might slow down a runaway world that God might shake us again uh, and bring to mind who he is and what he demands of us, his people. Uh, I've prayed that God might remind us that he is the one with whom we have to do. Now, honestly, I think it's too early for any of us to uh, interpret what COVID-19 might mean. That's not my job. Uh, I'm not the prophet or a son of a prophet. But COVID-19 is not a random event. It doesn't fall outside of God's covenantally good purposes. It's not disconnected from the, pair or the prayers of his people around the world. That's a comfort to know as much as I can't make sense of everything, uh, there is one who does make sense of it. As much as I don't know what to do with it and all the particulars, it hasn't fallen outside of God's plan and purpose. So what is COVID-19? I don't know, quite frankly. I'm not that smart. Um, but Nahum helps me. It gives a framework. Nahum helps me to think about events like this that to us seem random as much as they seem historic. I want to say that COVID-19, whatever it is, at the very least, is one more step towards the final realization of God's kingdom and our salvation. Now, I want to be careful. I'm not saying 
that God, that COVID-19 is God's judgment on any particular group. But I am saying with Nahum that even in this strange moment of upheaval, God is working out his plan and his purpose. I am saying that God has not forgotten about us, his people. And I am saying that God remains for us a source of comfort, of peace, of refuge and shelter, even as we all struggle to make sense of what's unfolding. So for me, Nahum has been one of those books of the Bible uh, in which I see blessing and judgment walking in lockstep together and in which I see God unfolding a plan and a purpose and yet not losing sight of his people and his particular responses and promises to them. And from that, I continue to draw comfort. Mm. If you haven't read Nahum in a while, perhaps you might want to turn there. Uh, The minor prophets I find incredibly helpful in moments like this. So that's just, that's where I've been drilling down and that's where I find my thoughts spinning uh, in relation to the things of God, Ben. No, that's helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's a, I don't often uh, remember those books there, but they have a lot to offer us uh, for sure. So that's a encouraging word. What, what about on a personal level? Um, and obviously there's a lot of bad, uh, you know, this is a weird time because uh, for many they're, uh, they're seeing maybe loved ones die or they're, they're on the front lines and there's a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, and yet for others, it's, it's hard to say it or name it, but, but uh, this has been a, a pretty good season, perhaps. You know, there's been some positive from that. Uh, so what have you seen? What have you been surprised with, maybe? What's been positive for you personally as you're in your bedroom, locked in uh, with your books and your classes? What, what have you found personally encouraging? Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're right to call out the good and the bad. They, they go together, right? And, um, you know, I began uh, the lockdown we had very early on news and phone calls of people who were ill, who were hospitalized, who died. And so we, we just saw this thing and thought, my goodness. Um, and even as we feel that, we, we've also come to recognize uh, the mercy of God, the grace of God. So for us, there has been good things. I, I'm sure many of your people are experiencing this. For us as a family, it's been a rich time. Um, we have had really uh, awesome times of conversations with one another. Uh, Normally I get up at six, I rush to get the kids ready, off to school, I go to work. Uh, Now mornings are coffee on the front porch with my wife. Mm -hmm. What do we need to do today? What's going on? And we read and we chat and we talk and uh, it's a little bit leisurely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then for us, our pattern, we've always had family worship, but now we do that at lunchtime to break the day. And we've had more time, really, than we've ever had. Um, and there's nowhere to run off to or to compete with what we're doing. So okay. we've, we feel blessed. We've had some really rich times together as a family, praying for health workers, praying for people we know who are shut in uh, in nursing homes where Terry volunteers or elderly people. And so we're praying as we go out and run errands for them and as we try and help them. And then just praying for one another as we read the scriptures together. Um, I, I almost, I don't feel guilty. Uh, I feel glad that we've had this time as a family. And it's, it's really quite remarkable that it's taking something like this to give us that time mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, there's something exposing about that. It's sort of forcing us in, a, in some ways in some, in some, into some good maybe patterns we should have uh, uh, practiced beforehand. I'm going to give, in a few minutes, I'm going to give uh, folks an yeah. opportunity to ask questions that may, but I want to hear a little bit more about, uh, uh, obviously you spoke to us early when we began to plant a church and we were a small group gathering and we've continued to do that. We've been meeting for uh, a year and a half now or so and, uh, you know, have grown some and have a building that we rent out and uh, help us think about uh, as a church, as we emerge from this, assuming we do, and we begin to gather again. Um, I don't want to say back to normal because there's a, there may be a problem with that, but help us think about what that looks like as a church to move out of this back into uh, everyday life. Yeah. Um, I, a couple of things come to mind. Um, for, for me, at least, I'm praying for churches uh, like yours and others that I visit with and have connections with. I'm actually praying against normal. Um, now, I want to be careful. Uh, there's a lot of normal I want, right, for you all to get back to the beach or to play sports in the park, not to be on lockdown. That's good normal. I want that too. Uh, but if we think about normal uh, in our American life, um, you know, this has been a season of decline in many churches, uh, a season of consumerism uh, for many uh, folks who are followers uh, of Jesus. Um, I'm praying against that kind of normal. Uh, I'm, I'm praying that we might emerge from our homes, from time with family, with a renewed desire to be together. Um, and we might emerge not only with a desire to be together, but to be for others in our community. Uh, I'm hoping that we might not just get through COVID-19, but we might learn from it. Maybe that's a better way uh, to say it, that we might say there were good things about slowing down. How do we retain those good things? Mm -hmm. um, there were things we learned because we read books or we sat still before the Lord or because we had heart-to-heart -heart conversations with spouse with children, with good friends, with work colleagues that we haven't had for a long time. How do we implement those kinds of things? I, I'm praying that the Lord might give uh, to you and to me and to all of us a new sense of what's a priority. Uh, like I say, not, not simply back to normal, but um, a new humility. Let's not take for granted that our days are in the Lord's hand and he controls uh, our ebb and our flow in life, praying for a new sense of mission. Uh, now that we can emerge, how do we do so with purpose? How do we do so with delight? Um, are we aware who's missing from our number? For various reasons, they haven't been able to join the online gatherings. Mm -hmm. We haven't heard from them. They haven't been in our phone conversations or our texting back and forth. Uh, maybe there are others in our streets that we've gotten to know for the first time because they've had needs and we've crossed the road to meet that need. So I, I'm praying for you all and churches around the country that you might find creative ways to do the foundational things that we should all be doing. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's going to change from context to context. Um, but I, I hope you can see not simply a new normal, but a creative way of being more deliberate, of being on mission, of learning to love God and neighbor 
in, in fresh expressions. They're, they're the kinds of broad things that come to mind, Ben. Mm-hmm. That's good. It, it's, it's, it, I spoke a few weeks ago about uh, kind of the back to basics a little bit, you know, and, and there's something about this shakeup, I think, that um, as it shucks us down and reveals a lot in our own heart and, and fear and anxiety that I think as we emerge, hopefully we emerge with some of those the very basic things that we're called to do as followers of Christ and as his church. And so I think that's a good, that's a good word. I, I have some other thoughts, but I want to see if anybody um, in the, in the group has any questions um, for Mark that might be really any question. It can be uh, on any, any topic. I think Mark will give us, give his best uh, stab at it. So anybody have any questions to ask? Just unmute yourself and ask if you do. Who's the bold one? Not me, and you'll just have to talk for a while, Mark. Either way is good. Hey, Mark, I have, I have one for you. Um, you know, a lot of times the, the church, you know, does a lot with like um, sort of building and fixing. Um, what, what do you think moving back in this time, the importance of just seeing and listening uh, more than having the mi- mindset of fixing and accomplishing? Yeah, that's good. I, I would hope, maybe along with what I've been saying, I, I would hope that one of the things COVID-19 might allow is that we are listening with fresh ears to the actual needs of our community. Uh, so often, when we plan a church or when we think about a new ministry program or as we build and move to the next phase, so often that comes out of a, a perception that we have Here's the next thing I want to accomplish or here's what I would do. And that's fine. Um, But so often what we build isn't what is needed in our immediate context. And I think moments like this, uh, we begin to see people who've been on the very periphery of our vision. We've begun to feel uh, new things that need time and attention. I mean, if we're very real, be very, very concrete. I I talked to a friend who works for DFS uh, up in Michigan. And he just said, this has been a great time for families. It's been a horrendous time for families. You know, so you all as a church, one of the things you're listening for is who has done well and who's really struggling. And then you're going to, they're going to magnify that. What parts of our city are doing well and can emerge and get back to business as usual? What parts of our city are really struggling what might that need for Christ church? What might that need for future direction? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right, Ryan, to say, let the moment direct our steps as best as we're able. We know that mobile needs the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's going to continue. We know there are rich and poor in mobile and they have their own needs. But I think COVID-19 uh, and, and re-emerging is going to bring to the fore some new concrete instances of what you all should be doing in your community. Who has particular needs that you all can meet that you didn't imagine or see prior to this moment? It's good. It's a good answer. Other questions? Yeah, I have one, Ben. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, Mark. First of all, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, 
you spoke about your time with your family and uh, the the conversations you've been having with, with your children and they were teenagers. So most of, of our church, including my family, our children are younger. Mm. So there aren't maybe as many opportunities for deep and life shaping conversations with a six year old. Um, so if you were going through this time with younger children, with your children when they were younger, what would you have, what would you have hoped to have gained from it? And maybe what, what would have been different or, or things you would have been trying to do to, to grow them and disciple them with really unprecedented access to their daily life? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, by the grace of God, we, we've had a long practice of these conversations with our kids. Um, not, not always as consistent, not always as as deep, right? We, we have feet of clay and get distracted too, but this, this, uh, by the grace of God has been part of our practice. Um, for, you know, I think for younger kids, one, I think the natural inclination of a lot of parents that I've bumped into has been to shield their kids. So we've had parents tell us they won't watch the news while their kids are in the house. They don't want kids to know what's going on. I get it. I think that's a big mistake. I think we, we, we have to help our kids process we don't know that this is going to be over and done with, right? This is a profound moment for discipleship. I also think for our kids and for younger kids, and my, my youngest is 11, um, we, we've actually had to talk a lot about what are our expectations just for life? What does it mean that we can't ride our bikes with our friends or we can't, uh, you know, go down the park and play in the sand, the sand pit with our friends? And we, how do we process that? Um, so it's been, for us, um, uh, this has been a great time to talk about prayer and asking God for the things we desire and, and crying out to God for things that are in the way of the things we desire. Uh, it's been a good time, as I've said, to talk about expectations, that our Father in heaven has a plan and a purpose that is often different than the plans and purposes we set for ourselves. It's been a time of helping my kids uh, think about uh, what, is, what is the shape of discipleship? Um, I think so often, particularly for younger kids, we tend to choose the Bible stories that give to our kids, you know, uh, their morality, you know, be good, don't lie, don't steal, honor mum and dad. Very important, very foundational but we're often, often not engaging them uh, in terms of they will encounter evil, suffering, death. Um, how do we talk about those things? And the gift, if you will, of this period of time is unlike a normal uh, bereavement, we get that terrible phone call, uncle so-and-so, aunt so-and-so has suddenly passed. Um, this has been a sustained period of time where I've been uh, able to introduce difficult things slowly and, and watch my kids process and let them ask their questions. Even my 11 year old said, I don't like this. Well, you know, and I've been able to say, you know what, Christine, I'm with you. I don't like it either. I'm, I'm, I'm angry if I'm honest, I'm frustrated if I'm being sincere with you. And yet, our Father in heaven, who knows better than we do, we can bring that frustration to him and we can say to him, 
Father, I'm, I'm angry. I don't understand. And we can engage him at that level. And then from there, we turn to the Psalms where we see the people of God emoting, being angry. And for some of my kids, even my old ones, they've been shocked at the level of honesty. Um, so it's difficult. We don't want to overwhelm our kids, but it doesn't have to be deep, profound. Uh, I, I think it's just a matter of introducing the range of emotions, reminding our kids that God is a big God. He can bear our honesty. We can bring to him our disappointment, frustration, anger, but then helping him see we've done a lot of reading the big story together of, of helping our kids to see that there's an end. Uh, COVID-19 is real. It's right in front of us. It's not the whole of the story. God will take care of COVID-19. Look, kids, God has promised to wipe away every tear, to put everything right again. We can trust him for this here and now. So it's harder. We've got to set realistic expectations. When I was doing family devotions with young kids, uh, honestly, five minutes was enough. Read a small passage. Pray together. Ask them to pray a sentence prayer if they're verbal. Pray over them if they're pre-verbal, right? It, it doesn't have to be profound, uh, but regular and sincere is the goal for young kids. Basically, you and your spouse, you're setting the patterns. And as you move forward over time, the patterns can grow, they can deepen, they can develop. But uh, five minutes is still a good foundation for many young kids. Anyway, we can follow up on that if there's more, but there are some thoughts. Good. That's good, Mark. Yeah. I don't know what somebody at the covenant, one of the professors said, uh, it's never uh, too late to start family devotions over again. I'm not sure who that, uh, who's yeah, saying it's not. A man who never stops starting. Yeah, that's right. Never start starting. That's right. Stop, start starting. Yep. Um, anybody else have uh, questions, comments? Um, Mark, we could take maybe one, uh, one or so, one or two more. Anybody else have a question? What does he mean? I almost had one from a little guy. Anybody have a question? Thank you. Sorry, I'm really close. Um, I have a question. Uh, you know, Mark, my, my family situation is similar to yours. I've been fortunate to be quarantined with my you know, my wife and my kids and mm. uh, recognize probably like you do how, how blessed I am to have had that opportunity and, and situation. But I worry, maybe it's, maybe I worry excessively or maybe, maybe I don't. I worry about those that don't have that, right? They're either in a family situation that's very, very unhealthy or, or, or what I think about more because it's probably more relevant to our church is those that live by themselves. Mm. Uh, how have you, how is your church or how have you encouraged people who, who don't have the ability to slow down and be with their family every day during this, but are, are either, but truly are alone. Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm, I'm glad they're on your mind. You know, for us, um, just having rented the same little house for 13 years now, we know our neighbors, we know our community. We've tried to do very basic things consistently. So a couple of examples. One, we know uh, a half dozen single people, predominantly women, not exclusively, but predominantly women, 
who have different degrees of physical, mental disability. And so we've just tried to say, okay, we need to take groceries. We need to make sure we call them. If we see them wandering the neighborhood, we, we've got to drive them home. Um, we, we, if they've got prescriptions, because they all do, they have mental issues, let's, let's make sure they got their prescriptions from the CVS or the Walgreens. We've just said, that's on us. We know these people. God has put them in our lives. Uh, my wife volunteers uh, at, a, at a number of nursing homes in the city of St. Louis. Uh, she's an ombudsman for the state of Missouri. She evaluates nursing homes to make sure that they're meeting state requirements. Um, she can't get to those nursing homes. They're all shut down, locked up. So she, every day, she is phoning residents and she's phoning nursing home managers to say, okay, what's the news? What's going on? How do I pray? She's, it's really cool. She's reading Bible stories over the phone to some of those residents. She's praying with them. She's dropped, she's been sewing and dropping off face masks, right? Really basic stuff. That, that's what we've been doing. Our church, uh, we've had folks who have uh, been dropping off board games and Bibles to families in and around the church. Just as a way to say, hey, we're a local church. We care. We know this is a tough time. Um, we hope, we, please receive this as a gift. Uh, we hope the Bible's helpful. If there are questions, call us. We know that you and your kids are going to love the board games, all right? Mm -hmm. um, then praying for medical staff. Uh, where We are located walking distance from a major hospital, and we're less than two miles from four major hospitals. We know people who are nurses and doctors. One of my good friends, um, he is the guy who's the head of the response team for five commercial hospitals. There are actually 13 ERs uh, that he oversees. So we, we're just making a point of praying for him. I cannot imagine how stressful that is. You know, I'm an idiot when it comes to medical things, right? What do I know? But I know this man, and I can well imagine the kinds of pressure he is under. So we've just made a point every lunchtime. We stop, we pray for medical staff. Um, my hope is um, these relationships were in place prior to the shutdown and and we're praying that as we sustain them through shutdown and as we open up that we can go back and go deeper in some of these relationships and i'm sure you all have individuals in your life whether they're elderly whether they're disabled whether they're simply you know single folk who just are alone desperately alone um so who, who is it you're phoning who is it you're in contact with who is it you're praying for basic stuff but i i believe um the lord uses those very basic things to bless people uh, and to create opportunities for those who are not yet our followers uh, of christ yeah that's good mark it seems there's a sense of uh you know there's there's programmatic things you can do you know but that i hear you saying this the personal responsibility of of seeing and caring and reaching out and knowing. And, and that, I fear that even in our group, I know that uh, there are some needs we know, but then there are those that fall through the cracks and needs that are unknown and certainly of our neighbors. And so I think um, hearing that is good reminder that we all, uh, it's easy to be worried about here in you know, our camp, but to think about uh, who's around us and who may be forgotten 
and outside. So that's a good word. Um, uh, any final final question anyone may have? We'll finish with this last one. Anybody have a question? Mark, do you have any final thoughts for us or words to, to offer us as a young church plant trying to find our way in the midst of a, a global pandemic? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, just maybe to go back to Nahum, I mean, some of you are feeling particularly tossed about by this. Others of you, for different reasons, are like, man, I'm, I'm getting out of this okay. Um, and you're thinking about others. Um, you're thinking about what does it mean to begin to open up, re-engage one another. Um, wherever you are on that spectrum, maybe a couple of things. One, um, as you re-engage uh, Mobile and one another, remember to be gracious to one another. Some of you, I mean, you've been in isolation and you are just ready to high five and get hugged. And that's going to be awesome. Others of you are going to emerge from pandemic and isolation going, whoa, hang on a minute. Let's just slow this down. Not quite ready for the handshakes or the hugs. Different ones of you for different reasons are going to have different levels of ongoing concern. And some of you will have noticed already, if you're watching the news, different churches in different parts of the country are actually arguing already. Some people think the church should never have stopped. Others are wondering, what does it mean to open back up worship? Um, I just want to uh, implore you, be gracious with one another. Uh, your experience of this moment is vastly different depending on age, stage, personality, previous experience. So if somebody is not quite ready for the handshake and the hug, that's okay. Find the appropriate way to love your neighbor that honors them and doesn't freak them out. Um, and, and don't be offended or slighted if that's the case. Others of you, you'll be, you're, you're zero to 100. You're ready to go. Uh, enjoy that. Not just how you greet one another, but as you move forward in days ahead and as we wait and see what the Lord will do, the temptation, I think, is going to be to get back to normal. Um, how do we get Sunday services up and running? How do we go back to home groups, small groups? Um, by God's grace, I pray that all those things can happen. But as you re-engage, I would just pray that you have uh, a, a spot in your vision for others. Who's not here that needs to be here? Who might we reach out to? How do we serve our city, our locality? How do we be a church that's not simply a church for us, but that is a church that's able to welcome others? And I would just throw this in too. Um, I'm, I'm close to this. I work, I don't work, that's the wrong word. I meet regularly with a, a group of law enforcement, with a couple of circuit judges uh, in St. Louis. Um, these folks are under pressure. And I don't, I don't want to get into politics. That's not my gear. That's not my lane, right? Um, but listen, let's be praying for governors and mayors and circuit judges and sheriffs and county officers and law enforcement. These guys have not only been on the front line, 
but they're going to have to make very, very hard decisions in the weeks and the days ahead. So for us to be praying for those the Lord has put in authority over us, that is going to be a great gift that you can give for the city of Mobile. We're already thinking of medical staff, ambulance drivers, doctors, nurses. Let's add to that law enforcement, uh, judges, uh, magistrates. Let's be saying, Lord, bless our city and help us to be a means uh, through which you bless the city as we pray for those that you've put in decision-making capacities above us. Again, I know that's real basic, right? Doesn't sound sexy, doesn't sound like a six-point plan, but the New Testament calls us to pray uh, for those in authority. It asks us to live peaceable lives in order that the gospel might go.